to get on the mailing list, sign up for activities, list any prayers or concerns, and any notes for the staff. A welcome gift is available for new visitors and can be picked up at the connection site in the back of the sanctuary following worship. Welcome, welcome to our church. And we do welcome you to church this morning. For our ministry opportunities, we have two clipboards. The first is for our fish fries. I believe 535, something like that, last week. And the second one is for our uh, Monday, Thursday service. This week, we don't have our regular activities on Wednesday, just the choirs. But on Thursday, we start with our, our Holy Thursday Seder service, which is a symbolic service. It's not a real meal. We call it a Seder meal, but it's not a real meal. So eat your dinner first. Um, what, what we need is some help with um, supplying some things. But even more so, gentlemen, men, we need some men. Pastor Sherry needs about... Two or three guys, now I see two or three guys out here who could actually just simply pour. That's really all you gotta do, it's not that hard a job. So if you could see Pastor Sherry after service, that would be great. On Friday we of course have our fish fry followed by our uh, Good Friday service, which is a, a very meaningful service where we remember the cross. You know, sometimes we go from Palm Sunday to Easter and we forget that the most important part of our faith is what happened on the cross, so that's this Friday. Saturday, the Easter egg hunt. So if you can come out to help with that or just attend it, it's huge. So if some of you could come a little early, that'd be great. You always need help. And then we will have our vigil service at night and Easter Sunday, two worship services. They're at 9 and 11. What time are they? They come at 9.30. You might be a little late and be sitting out in the parking lot, you know, but 9 and 11, all right? Let's pray, shall we? Dear God in heaven, be with us and bless us this morning and enter into this place in a great and wonderful way that we can experience the wonder, the joy, the power of Jesus Christ. Lord be with us. Amen. I'd like to invite the children to come up and join us now if they'd like to. morning guys any other kids want to come up come on down you know who wears these hats that's right that's right my father was one of those you know and he really wore this hat he got whacked in it look at that 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 ding in there firemen we think of as heroes don't we yeah they run into burning buildings and save people and do wonderful things like that but do you know that anybody can be a hero Real heroes are, are not just people that run into burning buildings. Real heroes are people that, that do what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it. So when your mom or dad makes you dinner, they're a real hero because they could just let you go without food. 
or when they take a day off from work because you've got a game or a program or something special to go to, that, that makes them a hero. When you do something nice for a friend who, who otherwise everybody else is ignoring or paying no attention to, or maybe even do something when nobody's watching that's good or right, that makes you a hero too. There's lots of things you can do to be a hero. Everyday people are heroes. They're just people that notice a little more, think a little more, and do a little bit more, all right? So I hope you're all gonna be heroes because God needs heroes. God needs people that will do a little something extra to make this world better so that we can be his hands and God's feet on this world to make the place better, okay? What are you thankful for this morning? You wanna raise your hand and share something? Thank you for my grandparents and my mom and dad. Grandparents, friends and family. Mom and dad, my cousin. My brother and my sister. My grandma. My cats and my sisters. My brother and sisters. All right. Lord, we thank you for all these great blessings, and especially for our families that do so many wonderful things for us. Help us to be heroes with them as well so that we can be like you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys go out to church school now if you'd like to. While the children heading out to church school, I wanted to mention our special offering this morning. We did a capital campaign to try and renovate our sanctuary, put a roof on the building, all sorts of different things. But the one thing we really couldn't afford to finish was we couldn't buy the new seating for our sanctuary. So these pews are about 50 years old. They're starting to fall apart. Um, and in many ways, they're uncomfortable. So the trustees have picked out some chairs that they think are solid and would be nice and look great in here, but they need some help. So if you'd like to help make the sanctuary look a little bit better and, and last for a lot longer for our seating, uh, we do encourage you if you want to give a special gift for the chairs. You can see the chairs, they're out in the back of the sanctuary right now, actually. So if you want to take a look at them and try them out and see what you think of them, they're, they're out back there. Out back there? They're, they're there, back there. Whatever is the right way to say that for you to look at. God gives us many blessings, and we thank him for the wonderful joys that he shares with us. And as we appreciate all that God does for us, let's return our thanksgiving with our morning tithes and our offerings. Dear Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks and praise for this day and for the opportunity to come and worship you together. Lord God, we ask that you would bless this offering. Give us wisdom to know how to best use it for the furtherance of your kingdom, that many would come to salvation in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. It's a beautiful day. It's a little cold, but it's gorgeous out there. The sun is shining and... What a blessing to be celebrating Palm Sunday, amen? amen? And next week with Easter coming, um, we do have so many joys in our hearts, and we take those all before the Lord and lift them all up, knowing that he rejoices with us as we rejoice, yes? But we also do have um, some concerns. We have concerns in our own hearts and a few concerns to bring before you this morning. Um, Heather Miner's mom, um, Heather works in our office and also in our preschool. She does a lot of work in the church, and her mom is in the hospital right now. We need to keep her in our prayers and her family. Doug Rout is going to be having surgery tomorrow, 
want to lift um, him up and, and his family, those who are going to care for him. And um, we've had some, um, some deaths among people in our congregation. Um, Lois Forrest um, died on Friday. She is Wayne uh, Forrest's mom, so we need to keep Wayne and Brenda in our prayers. And um, Carl Cole's mom died this week, and also a dear friend of Sue Crosby's. And so we need to keep these families in our prayers and, um, and just encourage them. And of course, you have many prayers on your hearts as well. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we can come before you and offer up the joys and the concerns of our hearts. You are so good, Lord God. You have made a way for us to be able to come to you. You have given us assurance through your word and through our experiences in this life, through the tradition of your church, that we can trust that you will answer us, that you, out of your great love and mercy, respond to the cries of our hearts. Lord God, we do lift up all of those in our hearts and in our lives that we have mentioned and who we're keeping in our hearts who are sick, who are in need of a touch from you for healing. God, we pray that you would touch them, bring them healing from the tops of their heads to the soles of their feet. Let their spirits be healed, their souls be healed, as well as their bodies, Lord. Give wisdom to all of their caregivers to know how to best look after them and, and take care of them and meet their needs. Lord God, we pray for all of those who are grieving loss. Lord God, we just pray that you would help us to be a comfort to those who are in need and that you would comfort those and bring to their mind all wonderful things, all wonderful things about their loved ones. We just ask that you would bring peace into their hearts and into their lives. And Father, we pray for our community, for our nation, and for the world. There are so many people who are in such terrible, terrible times of strife and violence and trouble. We pray for all those who do not know you. Just ask that you would continue to draw them by your Holy Spirit. That they would have a change of heart and come to receive you as Savior and Lord and that they would turn from their ways of doing wrong and causing harm to others and would instead become people for peace. We pray for all of those who are enduring suffering right now, wherever they may be. We ask that you would bring comfort, that you would give them the strength to deal with their adversities, knowing that you are walking with them. 
Now, Lord, we take a moment and lift up those concerns that are on our hearts that have not been mentioned. Now we'll hear your word, Lord, and we just ask that it would wash over us, hearing this, that hearing your word would transform us, make us well able to be able to minister your love and grace wherever we go, touching the hearts and the lives of the people we come in contact with. We pray that you will anoint Pastor Tom as well to deliver the message that you have given him for us. Let it be a blessing to him and to us, and Lord, Make all of our worship to be a blessing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Luke, chapter 19, verses 28 through 44. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Tell him, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Jan. Today is Palm Sunday, and we sing Hosanna. Hosanna to Jesus. So Hosanna is a word that comes from the ancient languages that means save now. Save us now is what the crowd was crying to Jesus. Who is Jesus to us? What does he mean in our lives? For some people, Jesus is basically a holy genie. When they have a problem or something's broken or something's not working, it's like, Dear God, fix my life. Amen. Oh, they'll dress it up a little more than that, but basically that's what their prayer is. Jesus is the one who 
fixes their needs. For some people, Jesus is their inspiration. When they're feeling a little, little kind of down, and depressed, or need a little spark, they turn to God and say, God, I need you to lift me up a little bit, recharge my spiritual batteries. For others, he's a moral guy. There's people that don't even call themselves Christians that would say that they follow the teachings of Jesus. He helps us to navigate this moral jungle we live in where it's hard to figure out what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad. And for some people, that's who Jesus is. Still others call him a savior, a savior. In the book of Titus, in chapter 3, we read this. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having hope in eternal life. God saves us, not just for eternity, but in this world, saves us from our brokenness, from our pain, from our suffering, from our, from our confusion, from our failure, from our sense of meaninglessness, from our loneliness. God saves us in this world and the one to come. And he was all of that for the people of his day. He was a savior. They saw him do miracles and they, they proclaimed that they, they heard his teaching and that's who Jesus was. But is that enough? Is that all Jesus is? He's just there to save us, to fix us, to help us, to make something happen in our lives, or is God more than that? Is God bigger than that? In 2 Peter, we read what Peter says to us, brothers and sisters, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They add a word, and it was the original Christian statement of faith. I am a follower of Jesus Christ, who is my Lord and Savior. You don't use that word, Lord, too much anymore, do we? We don't use it in our common discussions. We don't have lords in our lives. We might have a boss, but they don't tell us what to do everywhere. Jesus is Lord. How many of you have ever had a new car? Well, you don't have to raise your hand, you know. Have you ever been in a new car? New cars are so cool. I mean, first of all, you don't worry about them breaking as you drive them down the road. There's not a little ding in their doors or a little scratch here or there. They have that new car smell, you know, and they're clean. I mean, they're clean everywhere. Even in those little corners where you can't get the rag to kind of get that dust and weird stuff out that gets down there, they're clean. So imagine you've got a new vehicle. Not just a, a car, but a truck. You've Not one of those wimpy little scrawny little pretend trucks. I mean a big, big, beautiful, brand new extended cab truck. You just bought it, just drove it home. You got it parked in the driveway and you get a call from Pastor Tom. Kids are going on a mission trip to Michigan this year. We're not exactly sure how we're going to get, get the, the trailer there because we don't to have the vehicle to pull the trailer. And I heard you just bought a brand new truck. <laughs> Our kids are going to be getting in the mud, working construction, climbing in and out of this vehicle, banging it around, throwing stuff around in it. But I'd like to borrow your brand new truck. <laughs> How would you feel? What would you think? 
One young girl said to me after my sermon this morning, I want to get mud on those tires of that truck. <laughs> Jesus told his disciples to go into the village ahead and find a colt nobody had written on. Right off the showroom, no depreciation, a brand new colt, absolute mint condition, and he says, tell them, I want it. That's it. Not what for, not what are you going to do with it, nothing else. They're watching their new colt walking away. You know how much value goes out when they just take it off the showroom floor? Jesus wanted their new colt, like us, a brand new car. Would we give something like that to God if that's what God wanted from us? Okay, I want you to get another image here. We call this Palm Sunday because in some of the versions, they say that Jesus was walking into the city and they, they threw down palm branches that they had cut on the ground before him. I got to be real honest with you. I'm sweet with that. I'll cut a branch off my neighbor's tree and throw it down for Jesus. I have no problem with that. But in this version, it says they took off their coats and they put them down in front of the donkey. Seriously. They put their coat down on the ground in front of the donkey. Now, I don't know what you think of donkeys, but donkeys walking on coats is not the best of ideas, especially if the donkey ate that morning. You don't know what's going to happen with that donkey. <laughs> on top of that, there's a big crowd coming behind Jesus, and all those people are going to walk all over your coat. Now, you know, back then, they only had one coat. This was a lot more than what we had. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, you know this is going to happen, so you go into your closet, reach out, and pull that coat from the 1970s with the lapels like this, you know, and you throw that thing down in front of Jesus. We're talking about, you just went down to Kohl's and bought yourself a brand new coat that you're going to wear for Easter. Beautiful new jacket, you're going to be all dressed up. Jesus comes in, you throw it in front of the donkey. What would we give to Jesus? Jesus says we're supposed to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we're supposed to show our love for him by loving our neighbor the way we would want to be loved. Do we really do that? What are we willing to give to demonstrate that we're sincere about this? I grew up in the household of a genuine hero. Genuine hero. He had all the credentials. You know, he was born in the poorest neighborhood in Buffalo on a place called the Towpath. It's not there anymore. They tore those houses down for the, for the throughway. There was no running water, no heat, no electricity. They used to scrounge the railroad tracks for coal or for some old board so that they could warm up their house in the winter. He was on an Olympic rowing team when he was a teenager. When he got old enough, he signed a piece of paper saying that he was volunteering to go to a war in Europe we call World War II, served under George Patton. When he came home from the war, he joined the fire department of Buffalo. You know, we're the people running away from the buildings. They're the people running into the buildings. My father was a genuine hero. He married a woman that was Hollywood gorgeous. I mean, really, if you ever saw my mother when she was young, she was like, so sweet. I mean, almost as pretty as my wife. This was a good-looking woman. 
had a wonderful life where he had his first child. They were just getting things started. They bought a new house in that wonderful brand new suburb of Chita Vega. And then the army called him and he went to another war, Korea. Now we talk about a second tour. You gotta understand their tours were for years. They weren't for months. They were for years. He went to another war, came back and served in that that fire company for his entire life. I remember him as a man who would go away from home 70 hours a week and work as hard as he could so that his family could be taken care of and looked after. Day in, day out, he would go to work. Two jobs to make sure we were taken care of. He was a, a hero. He knew how to give of himself for other people, sometimes people he didn't even know. What do we give to God? And what does God give to us? What did Jesus do for us? Well, it says in this passage, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Now, if you read in the Bible in Matthew 16, you'll hear Jesus say that he has to go to Jerusalem to die, to be hung on a cross, crucified, whipped and beaten, and die on a cross. He knew he was going to Jerusalem to die. The people there didn't want him. They didn't like him. They were plotting to kill him, and he went to Jerusalem to die. Now, some people think that was just sort of a pretend dying. After all, he's God. So did he really die? Oh, Jesus didn't want to do this. Reading Luke in chapter 22, it says that when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, if it's possible, Lord, take this cup from me. Not my will, but yours be done. But I don't want to do this. I don't want to go through this pain, this agony, this hurt. What does that really mean? What, what did God go through in that moment? Well, God was perfect. Not a single flaw, nothing wrong with him. You know, we don't quite entirely appreciate it because we lost our perfection like a long time ago, right? God has no flaw, no sin, no imperfection, Everything is perfect. He's in heaven. He is completely kept away from all this stuff. And it says in Corinthians that Jesus became sin. The one without sin became sin, full of sin for us. God died to his righteousness. God lost his perfection. Now, I like to believe that that's done with and God somehow got his perfection back because he's God. Can you imagine that? That God somehow gave that up. He died to all that. And he knew it going in. He knew that Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. He says, the day will come upon you when the enemies will build embankments against you and encircle you, hem you in on every side. If you, even you, only knew from this day what would bring you peace. And Jesus wept. He wept over the destruction of Jerusalem that would happen in 70 AD. And he knew it. And yet he celebrated. So not only was Jesus willing to die, not only was Jesus willing to face this, he actually did it with a celebration. We call it Palm Sunday. How would you come into the city if you knew that in five days you were going to die? I know how we'd all be doing it. Well, it's not fair. They're going to kill me, but I'm going to be brave. Not Jesus. Jesus comes in 
celebrating in the face of pain. It's incongruent. He was the leader of the parade itself, even though he knew he was headed for death itself. And the leaders, they criticized him. They said, tell your disciples to be quiet. This is wrong. They shouldn't be calling you a king. The Romans are going to come after us and kill us. We could get in a lot of trouble. Besides which, it's like you're thinking you're God or somebody. Another lesson I learned from my father, by the way, is, is that if you try to lead something, you're going to get problems. He used to say that when he was in World War II, he was in the second line. You know, right when the troops went through, they were the next group that came in. Not all the Germans were gone. He said there were snipers up in the rocks and the trees all around them. They knew there were. So what he learned real quickly is, is refuse every promotion. Never take a promotion. He said we could walk around with those pirate, those private rank on and nobody would touch us. We never got shot by the snipers. Man, as soon as the brass showed up, bing, take them out. So you learn if you want to lead, you got to expect you're going to have problems, you're going to have complaints, you're going to have people shooting at you, sniping at you, and that's exactly what happened to Jesus. And yet, he celebrated nonetheless in the face of it. Even in, when life is pouring rain and things are troubles and problems coming down the road and he can feel the impending doom, he's celebrating. That's important. Because life can be really tough. Life can be really hard. And sometimes it feels like it's going to break us. I celebrated a lot of funerals. Lots of people's funerals that I've, I've presided over. And one of the things I've learned, as much as this might sound almost, almost wrong, is that if people can find something to smile about, something to laugh at, something that they can remember the people they love with, with a smile instead of with a frown. It just makes the, the, the possibility of going through that moment a little bit easier. So when we laugh, it's not a disrespect. It's remembering that there's joy even in the midst of the brokenness. Jesus danced for us even in the rain. There's problems in our lives. I know we got a lot of people who complain about almost anything. We live in a blessed society. We, we have running water. We have electricity. We have heat in our houses. Really and honestly, we're not in desperate shape. And, and we whine about things. Oh, I can't get any service for my phone. Oh, really? Seriously? This is the end of the world. Your cell phone doesn't work. I got a smartphone, by the way. That scares me. It's smarter than me. I don't even know how to make half of it work. I don't want a tenth of it work. The stuff that we are blessed with in life is incredible, and people start coming up with problems that are manufactured problems. We have pretty good lives. Oh, what am I going to wear today? It doesn't matter. Right? And we borrow problems that might happen. Oh, but there might be a problem tomorrow. Yeah, well, there might not be either. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Today's got enough problems of its own. Just focus on those. That'll be plenty to take care of. So I'm not talking about these little made-up kind of, kind of silly problems. We've got real problems, serious problems. It's just, it says in here that, that, that they're going to face embankments against their walls, that their, their lives, in fact, their children's lives, are going to be dashed against the rocks. 
things can come that break our hearts and break our lives, destroy our sense of peace, make us feel radically insecure. You know, every day, every day, I deal with some pain in somebody's life. Besides my own stuff, every day, as part of my job, I hear somebody going through some real problem, and I mean real stuff. Someone they love has died. Someone has cancer. They just lost their job and don't know how to even function in life. Their kids are having some serious problem where they're just not making it, and it rips their hearts out. People come to share something because they just need somebody to talk to and say, what do I do when my life feels like it's falling apart? Because sometimes it is. My father married a Hollywood beautiful wife. He had two little kids. He just got to come, just come back from the war. Starting his life. And they went out dancing one night. She's 24 years old, and the next day she wakes up and she can't move a bone in her body. She got something we don't even understand in our world anymore called polio. Paralyzed her completely. Now this guy's got two little kids that he's got to take care of. He's working 70 hours a week, and somehow he's supposed to take time to carry his wife around everywhere and take care of her too. My dad isn't a hero because he fought in war. He's not a hero because he was a firefighter or even because he provided for us. My dad is a hero because he loved my mother and stayed with her his entire life. It's easy to walk away when problems come along. He was a young man. He could have just walked away and started over again, but he didn't. She got to where she could get around with crutches and a wheelchair. But a hero stays in when things are hard. We want to wish them away. We want to make them go away. Verse 42 says, If you, even you, have only known this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. It's bothered me. Why is it hidden from our eyes? I'll tell you, part of the reason is because we delude ourselves. We don't want to see it. I don't know it's there. It can go away. Fastest growing community in America right now is someplace called the Villages, a little gated community down in Florida where you can go in and and just close the gate behind you and pretend the world doesn't exist. Just ride around your golf cart, acting like there are no problems in the world. Nothing's going to get me. Can't touch this. I get it. I get it. That's what we want to do, right? We'll go to Chautauqua in the summer and close the gates. We don't have to see it. Go to Bermuda and find some resort where it isn't real. But the truth is, it follows us. It's real. It's there. There's problems, and problems coming. I was talking to the banker. We're renegotiating our mortgage right now. That's another one of my jobs, right? And uh, he's talking about the world. Kind of interesting. I don't know why he got off on this, but he was talking about quantitative easing. Anybody know what that means? Printing money. Printing money. A few years ago, our country decided that the best way to get out of problems was just print money. We printed trillions of it. We're now $17 trillion in debt. Now, just to give you a sense, you probably could get your head around a million. A billion is a thousand million. That's a lot. A trillion is a thousand billion. 
and we owe 17 of them. Now, okay, that's, that's, I'm not talking about our country right now. What I want you to know is that the banker says, well, since it worked for the U.S., you know what all the countries in the rest of the world are doing because they're having problems? They're pretty money, too. Okay, so what this means is the world, everybody in the world is going to be in debt. I'm just wondering who they're going to be in debt to. And what's going to happen when somebody says, pay up, right? Hopefully after I leave this place. <laughs> I want to think about it. In the time of, of, of Jeremiah, there were prophets going around in the city saying, peace, peace, where there is no peace, as Jerusalem was facing destruction. We want to do that. But I don't know about you. I'm not seeing less wars. I'm seeing more wars. And we can't pretend them away. Anybody old enough to remember? They used to take us out in the hallway at school and lean us up against the locker. Now, this is seriously, for those of you who are young, you've probably never done this. This was to protect us from atomic bombs. <laughs> seriously, we're going to be in the hallway with our heads up against the locker. They're going to drop a nuclear weapon, and we're going to be okay. <laughs> Talk about delusional. Talk about ridiculous. Just pretend it doesn't exist. Ignore the fact that Saudi Arabia just put 170,000 troops on the border of Somalia. What the heck is even a Somalia, right? Well, that's where they're about to go to war with Iran. You know, the guys who were worried are going to get nuclear weapons because they might use the nuclear weapons on Israel. who has got 50 nuclear weapons that they could shoot at Iran. But, oh, my gosh. Glad this is above my pay scale. And we say, well, if we just pretend it's all over there, we don't have to worry about it, right? Until they tell you, don't go to the mall. Somebody will shoot you. Oh, come on. We want to pretend it's going to go away. Or at least have a genie God that can fix everything. And so we turn to him and we say, God, hello, we got a problem. Come fix it. But too often it feels more like this.
every request by just a prayer of some sort. We just make the right magic incantation. The best answer we can come up with is God's in the shower. Or maybe this is the seventh day and he's just taking a nap and ignoring us. Hopefully someday he'll pay attention again. If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. We need to open up our eyes to see to turn back to the blessing that God wants to give to us. Seeking God, where God really is. What would happen if God was really our Lord? What would happen if we really gave all our lives over to him? Could that actually save us? If we were praising God, not because we're hoping to get something out of it, because it's the right thing to do for a God who is our God. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord instead of these godless kings that we put in charge of our world and we look to to fix everything and they're broken people like us and the best they can give us is broken answers. Do we trust in God, really trust in God? God is not likely to ask for your car, and I'm probably not going to ask for your truck. I said probably. <laughs> he doesn't want your coat. He wants your whole life. Everything. That's what it means to have a Lord. Everything we are becomes God's. God's not a fairy tale, God, magic, genie, kind of religious God. God is bigger than that. God is a God that we can trust even when it feels like it's raining outside. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because God's with me. He comforts me. He protects me. He walks through it with me. He doesn't make all my problems go away. He didn't even make his problems go away. He's one who can go to the cross and find resurrection, who can bring celebration out of pain, victory out of defeat, life from death. Not magically make it go away, but walk through it with us. People always wonder what's on my tires. No flight. Snowflakes. I woke up yesterday and there was snow on the ground. This is my way saying, not gonna get me. I don't care what you do, bring it on. God is with us. We can even walk through winter. My dad, the last time I talked to him was in a hospital. ECMC had been mercy flit. They, they mercy flighted him from Wyoming Hospital 
The doctor that was a friend of mine said that's not the best place for the operation, but was emergency surgery, and, and he could die. And they said, he's probably not going to make it in an ambulance to another hospital. We've got to do this now. He knew what he was facing. He knew what he was going in for. And he's laying on the gurney as they're ready to take him in. And he says, well, Tommy, with a big smile on his face, we'll see you on the other side. My father was no theologian. He didn't quote the Bible a lot. He, he worshiped God. He went to church. I don't know if he had any clue what he was actually saying to me. That even though we face death, we can smile in the face of death because we'll see you on the other side. Amen? The cross is not death. The cross is victory. The pain we suffer is just a, a shadow of what's to come in the glory that God has for us. A hero doesn't just face bullets or fires, but faces the tragedies and the struggles and the difficulties of life and remembers to be a hero for others in that time. Jesus is coming into the city, and the Pharisees say to him, tell your disciples to be quiet. He says, are you kidding? If they were quiet, if they were quiet, the rocks and the stones would cry out. All of nature will scream. We are not going to take this anymore. Look out there. The crocuses are coming up. Spring is coming. No matter how much snow falls down, it's coming and winter's going. And that's God's way of saying, even in the midst of pain, In this passage, it says this, they were yelling, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Sounds like what the angels said at Christmas time. Reminded me of Christmas when Isaiah says, in the midst of darkness, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. Maybe your light is sunny. Good. Praise God. Maybe you're facing rain and struggles, and you want to give up, and you want to whine and say, oh, it's not fair to me. God says, celebrate. Celebrate. Trust God, because the cross leads to resurrection. This life leads to victory. And people need you to be a hero. People need you to show them what it means to be a Christian in this world. It's not that we have a fairy tale perfect life, but that even when we walk through the greatest pains and sufferings of life, we still know who our Redeemer and Savior and Lord is. And if we live that way, then they'll know what it means to say, Jesus Lord and my God, God wants to transform our lives from defeat to victory, not by fixing everything, but by giving us, giving us what we need to walk through the dark, shadowy valleys of life. Let's turn it all over to prayer with me. Pray with me, will you? Dear God in heaven, I have sinned by the things I do that make me less than perfect. 
I also, by the things I don't do. Because I don't trust you. I trust in other things. I worship things I shouldn't. I depend on things that aren't real. Rather than depending on a real God. Forgive me, Lord. Fill me. Pour into my spirit. Make me what I need to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Jesus decided to forgive your sins long before he went to the cross. He knew what was going to happen on that cross. He knew who he was dying for. He knew that we were less than perfect. In fact, we're a lot less than perfect. He went to that cross for us anyways, showing how much he loves us. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Our God has forgiven us of all of our sins and made a way where there was no way because we couldn't do it ourselves. There is no way that we could possibly restore ourselves to relationship with God by anything that we could do, by anything that we could think. But God made a way. And when we come to him, and we, when we love him and serve him, he wants to restore us. He welcomes us to his table to remember, to remember how it is that he made that way and to invite us to join in and to receive blessings from him like we've never received before. Everyone is welcome at the table of the Lord. In the United Methodist Church, you don't have to be a member. You don't have to have been coming for a long time. If you love God, earnestly repent of your sins and seek to live in peace as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are welcome at this table. So come, join us in the celebration of Holy Communion. God invites you this morning to be healed, to be restored, to be fed. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. In love you made us for yourself, and when we had fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, your love remained steadfast. You bid your faithful people cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Easter feast that renewed by your word and sacraments and in fervent prayer and works of justice and mercy, we may come into the fullness of grace that you have prepared for those who love you. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. 
whom you sent in the fullness of time to redeem the world. He emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in our likeness. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. He took upon himself our sin and death and offered himself a perfect sacrifice for the sin of the whole world. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. And on the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread and gave thanks to you. And he broke the bread and gave it to his disciples, saying, Eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup and gave you thanks and praise and gave it to his disciples. And he said, drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new covenant, poured out for you, poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. And on these gifts of bread and wine, Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood, by your spirit. Make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory, and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Shall we pray together with the confidence of children of God, the prayer Jesus has taught? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You ever hear the expression, those are big shoes to fill? My <laughs> father's had his big hat to fill. In a lot more ways than one. Growing up with a hero makes you want to live like a hero. But we have a hero who pours out his spirit into our heart. And God calls you to go out and live like heroes. Not live like the people who are defeated or afraid or frightened or, or don't know how to live with adversity. But people who know that they have a confidence, they have a strength. Not everything will be taken away, but that we can walk through all the struggles, all the difficulties, and we will find victory because the cross isn't the end. It's the beginning of a new life. And all the struggles of this life will end with the victory of eternal life. Amen? Amen? So may God bless you and go with you. May God be your strength. 
May God be your, your, your power. May God be your spirit. And may God make you heroes to all the people around.